Welcome to this week's episode of Two Pastors and a Mic. My name is Corey. With me is Shanik Bannett. Pastor Shanik, what are we talking about this week? Yeah, good to be here. And honestly, last week in our intro, we talked about giving people freedom. And so today we want to talk about this idea of uh, giving people permission in whatever it is. And it's funny how it all came about that this is what we're starting our podcast out with because last week as we posted the intro, I couldn't find it anywhere on Apple. And so I'm telling people about the podcast, but it's not showing up on Apple Podcasts. And so I'm refreshing every hour I'm searching for, it's not coming up, but this podcast keeps coming up. And the name of the podcast is You Have Permission. It's the You Have Permission podcast. And I didn't listen to an episode, but I just thought that thought was so intriguing because you know this, that a lot of people come to us as pastors and they want to know, can I do this Mm -hmm. or should I do this? Is this something that I can't do? And so because a lot of people ask us that question, we just want to talk about things that that you do have permission to do. Yeah, we came up with a top 10 list, a top 10 list of you have permissions. We're going to explain some of them. Some of them are self-explanatory. And the reality behind this is what Pastor was talking about is we get asked this question all the time. As pastors, it's probably one of the most frustrating questions we can be asked because our jobs as pastors isn't necessarily to tell you what to do or how to live. Our job as pastors is to show you who Jesus is, to remind you that you have power, that you have the Holy Spirit living within you, and you should have a relationship with God well enough to be able to discern what is something you should do and what is something you shouldn't do. But for practical instances, we're going to talk about our top 10 list. And this foundation of this episode is based around a couple verses in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12 says, Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Right. Yeah, we have to really unpack that, though, because we can understand some things might not be beneficial, but we have a hard time. uh, When I say we, I mean like people that follow after Jesus. Um, we have a hard time thinking that all things are permissible. Like, mm-hmm. you mean to tell me I can do that? <laughs> and so, you know, whatever that is for you. But yeah, I really do hope that today's podcast brings like some some freedom yeah. to people because I'll be honest, when we've told people, hey, I'm not going to tell you if it's right or wrong for you. I'm not going to give you necessarily that advice or tell you you can or can't do something People get upset at us. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, and, and we've said it the last few weeks and what you just said right there, like it is not our job to tell people what they can and can't do. I think as pastors and people in ministry, uh, which really is all of us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's our job not to tell people what to do or how to live. It's to show people they're loved. Yep. And, and, and so I hope that as we talk about what you do have permission to do, it gives you a little bit of freedom to, to take the pressure off and to not worry. Most people wonder if they can do something or if they shouldn't do something because they might think that it might change God's view of them. Yep. But at the end of the day, with even Paul writing there in 1 Corinthians 6 and 10, all things are permissible, not all things are beneficial. That's Paul's way of saying, look, God's view of you, no matter what you do, is not going to change. Yep. Now, are there some consequences for your actions? Yes. Yep. But also, before we dive into this, that word consequence, just thinking about it today, so many people have a negative connotation with it. Mm-hmm. You're going to suffer the consequences. But a, a consequence is just a, a, a response 
from an action. Yeah, so there could be good of an action. there could be good consequences. Yep. So it's just an outcome of a choice yep. that's made. And so yes, our choices matter. We're not saying that. Choices are important and we'll get into this. But also you have the freedom to do whatever the frick you want to do. Let's yep. can I just say that? Yep. Everything is permissible, <laughs> but the second part of that verse is not everything is beneficial. You should contemplate your choices. You should be conscious of the choices you're making. Another passage of scripture is 1 Corinthians 10, 23. It says, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Not everything is constructive. And so, lo and behold, top 10 list. Pastor Shanik, what are we giving them? You have permission to, number one. Number one, you have permission to ask questions. Yep. It's okay that you don't have everything figured out. This can go in every direction. In any area of life. Yeah. And what what keeps us, though, from asking questions? It's one, I think it's our pride a little bit, right? Our ego. We want to convey that we know it all. We have it all together. You know, we're smart enough to figure it out on our own, Mm -hmm. right? There is this independence, right? This thinking that we can just do it all on our our own and by ourselves. But, man, we got to get past that. And I think another hindrance to to asking questions is, is simply like we don't want uh, we don't want to be looked in, at in a negative light. And so we think if we ask a question, maybe that means we're inferior to someone. But man, think about it like, and I'm going to bring in the spiritual piece of this. Like Jesus, he was the master at asking questions. Matter of fact, I feel like when I read through the Gospels, like Jesus rarely answered straight out anything. Well, he answered with a question. <laughs> he answered a question with a question to yeah. cause us to think. And so, yeah. man, you have permission to ask questions in whatever area you want some some information and clarity on. Yeah. And I, I remember especially being somebody who is a critical thinker, which I, we encourage you to think critically, not just about scripture and religious ideas, but think critically about why you are the husband that you are, the wife that you are, or the parent that you are. Like, you should be a critical thinker. But I was often discouraged from asking questions, especially around like faith. And, and we're going to touch, touch on that in a couple other uh, points here in a, in a minute. But you have permission to ask questions, any and all questions. Number two. Yeah, number two is, and this kind of goes in line with asking questions. Number two, you have permission not to give an answer yep. if someone asks you a question. And so, you know, I think... I think we sometimes do a disservice to people when we immediately try to give an answer or a response when maybe we don't know what we're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. like speaking of permission, like we need to have the freedom to say, I don't know. And I think this is huge for me. And it's why I put this one specifically on the list is because as a pastor, people expect me to have like all the answers mm-hmm. or if not all many answers to their questions. But at the same time, that's part of the tension we live in. Like there's not a blueprint or a finite roadmap that says this is exactly how you have to live or the exact response, right? Black, white, whatever it may be. And so it's okay that sometimes we say, I don't know, right? There is some mystery to life. There is some mystery to following Jesus and we can't assume just to know everything. And so telling our friends when they ask a question, like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I really don't. And it's something that I'm wrestling with, I'm struggling with, or I'm living in that tension, tension just like, you know, just like you're living in it. Yeah. And so being okay to not have all the answers. Yeah. Well, we have to allow time and space for process. 
And I personally believe as a Christian that Christians need to do a way better job of this, of letting other people process. In fact, you, you might have spent hours studying and researching on a specific topic that you're asking questions to. You can't always expect the people you're asking questions to, even if they're in a leadership position, to always necessarily come to the same conclusion you did or have those hours of research under their belt. You have to give them process to question some things and process to say, I don't know, and give them time and space to study that topic out. Right. And I think that's that's the key is giving them areas or resources or tools that have maybe helped you without giving a response. Um, you know, I know, I know for me, um, when someone comes to me and they, they ask a question, maybe it's a controversial issue or an issue that's really not clear, but they want some clarity on it. There might be things that I've learned and I've studied, but I've spent, you know, countless hours. I've read two or three books on it. And so if I'm going to use some of that language to try to clarify it or try to bring an answer and they haven't at all studied out, put in any time, have read any material, they're not going to have a clue what I'm even talking about. Mm-hmm. And so not answering a question is okay, but hopefully we have some resources to say, hey, you know what? I don't know the answer to that. I just don't. I'm looking into it. Here's some things I'm reading. I would love for you to begin to read them with me. And then we can dialogue back to number one and begin to ask questions of each other. I think that's the best process in learning. For sure. Well, speaking of controversy, let's go to number three and give them a controversial thing that they can. Yeah, let's kick it up. Permission to. All right, number three. The third thing you have permission to do is to question the scriptures. Yikes! What do you mean by that? Well, I want to hear you first because this is one you really wanted to make sure was in our top ten list. Yeah, I I think that as you get a revelation of Jesus, and, and we're the type of people, Jesus is the Word of God. So when people say, make sure you're preaching the word of God, I don't even know if they understand what they're talking about. Because John 1 tells us that Jesus is the word. Right. Or they'll say, I mean, I want to preach the full counsel of God. And I'm like, you know, the full counsel of God is just Jesus, right? Jesus is what God has to say. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. But no, seriously, in Hebrews, it tells us that Jesus is who God has always been. And if we believe that God never changes, think about this. Here's a critical thought for you. If you're driving in your car or listen, whatever you're doing, think about what I'm about to say. If we believe that God never changes, but God is fully revealed to us in Jesus, then there are some Old Testament scriptures that we should read through the lens of Jesus and say, man, I don't know if that's correct. I don't know if I agree with that. Did God really command the Israelites to kill people? Yeah. All of a sudden, you're tiptoeing on what I was told dangerous ground, especially in seminary. You shouldn't question that. That goes back to You have permission to ask questions. You have permission to question the scriptures. And what we mean by that is looking at scripture through the lens of Jesus to get a beautiful picture of who God has always been. Yeah. And the question, I think, too, has to go down to context. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, something doesn't sound right. Again, does it line up with Jesus or not? That's a great indicator you know, with our discernment that we have because we have the spirit living within us. We read something, even in scripture, man, that doesn't necessarily look like Jesus. So let me ask questions. Let me dive in. Let me study this out. And a lot of times we have to understand that we might question things because we don't have an understanding, you know, fully of what it was like to be a first century Jew. Correct. You know, walking around when Jesus was was here walking around too. And so 
So we question things like, and how does that play out today? And when he said something in that context of, of being in Israel or in Jerusalem around the first century, like, okay, did that just mean it was for them or is there some application to us? And so to question those things and being okay to come to the conclusion that sometimes, you know, it might not be addressed to us, right? Like you say, I think a lot, like, what is it like scripture? Um, is uh, written for us, not to us. Yeah. And so like having that lens right up front helps, but at the same time, hopefully you're reading and questioning what you're reading. Yeah. Like, and you don't question just a question and like run away from your faith or just to trip people up, but you question to get a bigger view of Jesus, not yeah. just in the scriptures, but in your life. And Paul did this. You might say, what do you mean? Paul questioned scriptures. Give me a source, okay? Hebrews 8, 7. Paul claims that some things in the Old Covenant had faults. So either Paul was wrong, and it's in Scripture, or the Scriptures that Paul was claiming were wrong, which are in Scriptures. So now you have to look at it through a critical lens of, okay, which one looks like Jesus? And I think for some real controversial topics, which again, we'll talk about maybe in in later episodes, is uh, Bishop Jamie Englehart always talks about Find the belief that looks most like Jesus and believe that. Right. Because that will ultimately give you the greatest picture of love and the greatest picture of the gospel. And this is so good that this is on our list because I do know of places and not to throw out any names, I would never do that or, or, or any organizations. But the minute someone starts asking questions um, about maybe what's being taught, or even questions on, man, I'm reading this in scripture. I don't know if I necessarily believe this to be true anymore. You know, they're just told to, well, no, you just need to be quiet, listen, get in line. And those people that have questions are looked at as like rebellious in Mm -hmm. some way, or you're way out of line. But, you know, questions, like I said earlier, the natural way that that people learn is it's what Jesus used. And so, you know, I definitely wanted to make sure people understood that they, uh, they can ask questions, and yeah. that's okay, and you have and permission to do that. If you are a part of Hill City Church, or even you have questions for us and you're not a part of Hill City Church, our emails are available. Corey at hillcity.tv. That's C-O-R-Y. Shanick, I'm going to give them your email address. C-H-A-N-N-O-C-K at hillcity.tv. We encourage questions. Seriously. Like, we genuinely mean this. Email. We'll go get coffee with you. We want to dialogue with things. We don't have this all figured out. Right. And, and we're in this to, to make each other better. Yeah, and I love, I think it is Bishop that also says this. He necessarily won't have an answer for you, but he'll always give a response. Yeah. <laughs> Might not be the right answer, but at least it will be yeah. a response. So number four. So, number four, you yeah. have permission to disagree. I love this one. So I love this one too. And I don't know if Corey knew I was going to go here or not, but, you know, Corey and I, we see eye to eye on a lot of things. Uh, we think through um, even how we study out and view Jesus, very similar. Um, we agree with a lot, but there, there are some things that, that we do have disagreements over. Are you going to give a specific? Um, I will give a specific. I oh, think just no. to be lighthearted, I was going to just kind of ask something funny, like, you know, Michael Jordan or LeBron. Are we, do we differ on that? Because I think it's Jordan. I think it's Jordan. Okay. We so, can have a whole podcast on this, though. Yeah, we will, on greatness and seeing greatness in people. All right. I don't even know what another one like that would be, like a sports analogy. You got one? Uh, hockey's the greatest sport of all time. Oh, okay. Well, I'll disagree with that. Even though we're in the Hoosier State <laughs> right now? <laughs> yeah, no. I'll disagree with that. I'll say basketball's the greatest. But no, even even like 
you know, even deeper issues. I know just this past week, yeah. we had a conversation um, in our conference room, just hanging out, talking about, well, just even this podcast and things we want to cover. Um, and Cody was in the room and, and we just kind of started talking about guilt and how I kind of view guilt some, 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 in some ways as a good thing. Because I think guilt can be a great motivator. I know you had some disagreement with that. Like, man, mm-hmm. guilt should never be associated with the kingdom. And I could hear what you were saying. You could hear what I was saying. And there was just some some disagreements. Because I wouldn't necessarily even stand up and kind of preach what I believe about guilt. Not that we need to carry it for a long time, but it can be a great motivator mm-hmm. for us in, in changing maybe some behaviors that need to be changed. Yeah. Um, and I understand that thought process, even though right. we disagree on the on the method or right or how it should be conveyed or, yeah. or whatever. One hundred percent. So I just wanted to throw that out there. You're like, wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that that there are things that Corey now we have conversations yep. and you know we 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 disagree. You know we don't see everything in the same light. And guess what? That's okay. Yep. You know it, it's okay. It, you should disagree with certain things. I think what's more important is less the disagreements and how you go about that relationship with that that person moving forward, like uh, you should be able to disagree and not disassociate or dishonor that other person in the midst of your disagree. And and here's a big challenge. Don't disagree on subjects or topics that you haven't actually studied for yourself, especially in the theology world, because that's our world is we'll have people that have hard stances on topics that are, I call them popular Christianity versus education or academia Christianity where the academia world doesn't believe in such things, where the popular Christian world does, and people will argue from something that they've just been indoctrinated with right. that's not actually real right. or scriptural. Yeah. And or, that, goes, that goes back to the whole thing. Like, man, here, here's three or four different resources, books that we've studied out, like, and people have maybe haven't studied out anything or spent mm-hmm. any time on it, but they've just heard something maybe repeated, and they're just parroting what they've heard without ever really giving it much thought. So I think that's yeah. exactly what you're saying. So yeah, you have permission to disagree. Just there's that challenge is be a person who still honors in the midst of disagreement. We're in this political climax still right now of uh, this day. Uh, today yeah. is inauguration day. And so we just want to encourage you, like it's okay to disagree. It's okay to disagree on policies. It's okay to stand your ground, but never at the expense of people because yeah. the kingdom of God is all about loving people. Yeah, and I love what you said, like make sure there's not dishonoring in the disagreement. Mm-hmm. So like, that's huge. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Number five. Why don't you say this? Cause I don't know if I feel comfortable saying this one yet. <laughs> well, I said it about three months ago in our church and right after the service, you came up and was like, man, I don't know how I feel about what you just <laughs> said to our church. <laughs> and then we've been chewing on it for right, a while right. and you actually kind of preached it this past week. I mentioned it twice in a row. Yeah. Here's, here's number five is you have permission to not come to a church building. Yeah, to not come to church, to service. Yeah, and what I said three months ago in the sermon, it wasn't in my notes, it just kind of came out, is I said, stop inviting people to church and start inviting people into your lives. Right. And what I meant by that is, again, and and we can get into the semantics of a verbiage. Uh, We all understand that the church is not just a building. It it is a group of people. Mm -hmm. And I do value the importance of getting together and corporately worshiping and learning and and dialoguing and having conversation and having relationships. I love the Sunday morning hour. I I absolutely love it. We will always be doing it as far as I can see. But I think that what happened, especially from my experience, is that was like the Super Bowl. And then 
the Monday through Saturday was just revving up for the Super Bowl again. Right. And I want to so badly get out of of that mentality and have people. I'm, this this conversation is so I'm stuttering because I want you to hear me clearly. The church is your life, and so instead of just hey, you should come to this church service with me. Why don't you invite that person into your life, into your home, so that eventually inviting them to an actual corporate gathering isn't awkward and it's welcomed because they've first been in your home. Right. And they've seen you. They've lived with you. They've got to see how you live, how you respond, how you parent. Like, And if they truly you know, see you for who you are and you've developed that friendship, that relationship has been established, they'll want to be where you're at. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, but this whole idea, though, is a little bit different, I think, in this permission and giving people permission to not come to church. Because I think, again, you know, should people? Like, I love this place. I love the connection. I love the relationships that can be built. But at the same time, like, I don't want, you know, to build anything we're doing on shame and condemnation. And I think so many people, like, from so many places have been shamed or condemned if, they haven't come to a service like, you know, or show up maybe regularly that they look, they're looked down on as inferior somehow. And mm-hmm. I want you to know. Or that, not blessed. Yeah. 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 Or not. Yeah. I'm not in the favor of God. And yeah. Yeah. And all Which that. Which is all bullcrap. You are a permanently blessed human being. Right. Because of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. You are in. You're the, blessed whether you come to church or not. Right. 100%. But you should want to come to church, not because you feel like you need to get a blessing, but because you're excited about what's going on. You want to celebrate the life that you have. You want to be reminded about who you are. You want to engage in fellowship with with other people. Like that's the purpose of Sunday mornings is yeah. a celebration. Yeah, and realizing, I, I think I want it to be a help for people to, especially that are a part of the church, to realize that they are the church. And so, you know what? When when you're not here on a weekend in a service, but you know you're with your kids or your family, and maybe you are at a sporting event or something. Guess what? You're the church to those 15 people and 15 families that that your kids are involved in the same stuff. You know, you 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 go on vacation or you want to spend some time at the lake or whatever it may be, and you're around three or four other families. Guess what? You are the church in that setting. And so, is the Sunday morning service an important aspect of life? I think so. Yeah, I really do. I, I really do think that 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 that's how the church connects and is that touch point to start some beautiful relationships. And I, I even wrote down here, like church, when we think about like even the Sunday morning experience, it should be a shared experience, not a personal experience. Ooh, come on. And and what I kind of like meant that. by that is you have some people that have come in and man, their week has been amazing. Man, they, they've gotten some different revelations from God. They've gotten some clarity. They've spent time with Jesus, man. Then the relationships, they're built up. They're you know, just on cloud nine and they come in here and their tank is full. But guess what? There's a lot of people though that also come in and they've been beat up. Mm-hmm. They've been, you know, in, 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 in circumstances that have been just dire for them. And maybe, you know, there's a lot of stress at work and stress at home and good God with schooling and uncertainty. And so a lot of people though come in empty. But I love this idea of a shared experience, like not just come in and have your own personal experience with God, like, okay, that's important. But I think it's more about a shared experience. You know, even the church, one person can't be the church. Like the church is called, even the word church, like um, 
it, it comes from a word that means called out ones, plural. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of a shared experience uh, is important. But also I want you to know that, you know, it's okay for weeks you don't, you don't come, but hopefully you've built those relationships enough where, but where you're noticed when you're not around yeah. and then people want to pour out. They want to see where you are. They want to connect with you, but don't feel any, I think yeah. we, we just wanted to bring this up because we don't want you to feel any guilt yeah. or condemnation. I have two extra thoughts on this. Cause I was talking to a lady who uh, I called her on Sunday. I thought I saw her out in at Kroger. She's like, no, it wasn't me. And she's like, I'm sorry. I didn't come this morning. I'm like, like, right. She goes, I watched online. I'm like, you don't why, why are you feeling guilt and shame around this? Like I value you for who you are. And more than anybody, like they, they might be some of the most generous people in this church. Like they're a part, whether they're not there every week. Right. And so I love the online platform. Right. The online platform gives you flexibility and options. So yes, we do do value the gathering, the weekly gathering, but so what? There's a couple of Sundays uh, a, a year that you can't make right. it, but you're still engaged. Or even if you miss the online thing, who cares? Like right. I also want to just bring up my father-in-law. Like he always talks about how thankful he was for churches moving to their online platform because, you know, he say, I only go 26 times a year because the other 26 times I'm at the lake. They have this lake house they want to enjoy. And I'm like, dude, you shouldn't feel shame about that because, again, you are one of the most generous people I know. Right. You, you love and value human beings. You care about relationships. You invite so many people to, to enjoy right. the blessing of the your church. lake house. He, he lets our staff come down and use it for free. Right. Like, he is the church. And just because he's he's only showing up 50% in the building, you should never live with guilt or shame about that. And we need to move away from that ideology. Yeah, and I'll just say this, the last thing on this topic, you know, the way we do church is changing. Yep. Like the way we do services, the way we, you know, um, interact is changing in the world that we live in. And so maybe think through it, through it in a different lens, like, um, and I know this is true for me and, and, and I believe for Corey and the leadership team, team here at Hill City, but we are starting to value engagement way more than attendance. Mm-hmm. And so just being engaged, whether you're here in the building or not, and following what we're doing, getting involved, like even giving feedback when you're not here, if you do watch a service, like the engagement you bring and, and what you're what you're promoting, you know, even through social media things tells me you're engaged. And so I'm starting to value engagement over attendance. Yeah, I love it. Number six, you have permission to say no and not feel bad. Yeah, we're talking about boundaries, aren't we? Kind of. A little bit. To say no. Yeah, I think it's a word that... how Personal experiences, so many times when people say no to me, they give an explanation. And, And I appreciate it sometimes, but don't always feel like you have to give an explanation for your no. No is a complete sentence. Yeah, and I need this for me because I have a real hard time saying no. Um, and I know <laughs> that that is true of me and, and thinking through it, like sometimes I need to give myself permission to say no, but I'm still working on the not giving a reason as to why. Because mm-hmm. if I tell someone no, I automatically, if, through if it's a text or a phone conversation or whatever, like I feel like I have to tell them why. Yeah. And sometimes it's a courtesy and it's appreciated to, oh, they're, they're not, they didn't just say no just because like they have a real reason. But, but we've got to get away from this idea that we have to defend our no. Because again, your time and space is valuable and important. And sometimes you have to say no to say the best yes yeah. to the people you love the most. You know? Yeah. Even, I, you know, I talked to our team around here of today about sustainability and 
just sustainability in life, especially this year, 2021, out of the year we just came out of. And one of the main points was to really set a strong calendar and even, you know, put margin mm-hmm. into your calendar. Schedule, if you don't plan for margin, you won't have any. Schedule margin or you won't have any. And when you schedule that time, um, that frees you up to say no. You know what? You want me to come out on Thursday? Guess what? I have Thursday afternoon blocks out, blocked out for time in the community, and I, I, I got to say no. Yeah. Again, I just gave an excuse as to why. <laughs> if you ask me to do something on Thursday afternoon, why I'm going to tell you no. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So having permission to say no, it's huge. Yeah. People need to need to receive that and, and really feel that. Yeah. Number seven. Number uh, seven. You have permission to be angry. Be angry. This, we don't have to hit on this much, but we felt like it was important to talk on because, yeah. again, in Christian culture, so many times you hear, oh, it's it's a sin to be angry. No, no it's not. It's no. not a sin at all to be angry. The scripture no. says, in your anger, do not sin. Right. But anger is a real emotion. I think it's emotion that oftentimes we have to sit with. Okay, why is this making me angry? What is the deeper issue going on here? Why is this a trigger point for me? But you have permission to be angry. It's okay. Yeah, and I think with anger, like, one, anger can be a great motivator. Mm-hmm. So if something makes you angry, when you ask the why and find out the why behind it, maybe you'll discover that maybe there's something that you need to invent to change the trajectory for why you were angry in the first place. So you become an inventor. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be where you're angry about something and it causes you to look at why you're angry and you realize it's because I've been hurt the last two weeks from this one person, so I'm just lashing out. Mm-hmm. And so I think anger, you know, it, it is a God-given emotion. And I think in that, there's a reason maybe why we're angry. I think also, maybe you've heard this term, and maybe it's a cliche, I don't know, but like having this like righteous anger, mm-hmm. like if something makes you upset or angry, like, man, I, I guess I just get angry when I think about how many kids right now are... Um, not able to be adopted because the the system is so out of whack and it's so expensive. And man, there's so many barriers to getting foster kids or people that need homes into home loving homes. And so, you know what, man, I'm going to use that anger as fuel and I'm going to go do something about yeah. it. Don't just be angry at social injustice. Don't be just angry at uh, kids not having homes. Like <laughs> I think it's totally wrong if you're going to get anger angry vocal about it, and then you're not actually involved in the systems of change. Yeah. Like you can't get mad at the foster system or or mad that there's so many kids that need to be adopted and then you not adopt or get involved in some way, even if you can't have time to to give your finances to organizations that are doing it or the sex trafficking. Like that should make you angry. You should be upset about that. But then put your money where your mouth is or put your time where your mouth is and do something that brings change. Yeah. Speaking of motivators, I did write this down just kind of looking up uh, anger We, as humans, have five times as many negative receptors in our body as positive ones. And so, where's your source? uh, Man, don't you're going to ask me to quote a source on the spot? I just wrote that out as I read. (laughs) Who knows? I like it. He'll give you that source at another time. WebMD. (laughs) (laughs) Everything with me is WebMD. No, uh, Corey makes fun of me for that. I self-diagnose myself all the time, (laughs) Doctor (laughs) Shannon. But uh, but yeah, we do, and so. If we're that's having a, those feelings, like it, it's an incredible motivator. Yeah. You know. I like it. That's so, all I got on it. That's all I got. Number oh, man, eight. Number eight. You have permission. You have permission to doubt. To doubt. 
yeah, you run with this one. Well, specifically, we're talking about, again, that goes back to scriptural things. That goes back to Christianity. Um, I had a parent reach out last year. Uh, my son is doubting. He's now graduated. He's learning all these other world religions. What yep. should I do? And I'm like, do nothing. That's part of his process. Doubt, like you said, is a great motivator. In fact, I think doubt is one of the things that God uses in our lives to make us figure out what it is we believe. Yep. If you don't doubt certain things, you don't change. If you don't change, you don't grow. And so I think that doubt, like, okay, this is when you make faith your own. I grew up in a Christian home. There are many beliefs that I had that I started to question. Going back to you have permission to ask questions. Ask questions. I got, hey, you shouldn't ask those questions. Don't you have a big enough faith? Why are you doubting? And, and my doubts weren't because I was questioning God, although I was to a certain degree. My, my doubts were real questions that people weren't giving me answers for. And once I leaned into those doubts, it forced me to go find answers. It forced me to go study. It forced me to go study world religions. That's what one of my master's degrees is in, is in apologetics, is, is why do people believe what they believe? Right. And going through the five major world religions, actually studying those out and having relationships with people that believe something different, forced for me to believe what I believe and actually show Jesus in a bigger and greater way for me personally. And so I think that so often we get so scared that people doubt that they're going to run away from their faith but I think doubt is one of the greatest things that can be used for you to figure out what it is you believe and why. Yeah, I think it is met with a lot of fear, though. Matter of fact, you, mm -hmm. you mentioned like the, the parent that reached out uh, just last week. It was about nine o'clock at night. I had a lady who used to be connected here at Hill City reach out to me through instant message. And she just wanted prayer. She wanted advice. She wanted a direction because her son and I think her son's just around 10 years old doesn't know if he believes in God, doesn't know if he believes in Christianity, doesn't know if he believes in Jesus. Like she kept saying all these things that he just said he's not sure of. Yeah. And so navigating through that process, like what would you tell even parents that are listening right now? Like wh wh where is like the line with how much space for them to figure out that um, that process when they're well, doubting? Put me on the spot. I like am going to put you on the spot. That's you put great. me on the spot earlier. But Touché. like... But for real, like what what would you tell that parent out there who maybe, I mean, 10's kind of young. I think you give a little bit more um, guidance, direction. You're there. You're, you're able to talk with them through different things. But as they get a little bit older, you know, they're, they're wanting to figure out things on their own. And so they might be, you know, 15, 16 years old and not really sure what they believe. What, what would you tell that parent just, just to give some encouragement? Not, yeah. Again, we don't have all the answers, but just to give some encouragement. Yeah, absolutely. Ask questions. You have to remove fear. Yeah. Perfect love casts out all fear. First John 4, 18. Like anything that is baked in fear is not from God. And so this can be super hard to apply because as a parent, like you want your kids to believe certain things. You want your kids, you have your best, you have your kids' best interests in mind when, when you think about these things. And so don't allow fear to overtake. Like, what if they walk away from the faith? And there's probably several of you listening where you're still praying for your kid to come back, right? right. The prodigal story is right. real in your house. Right. I think opening up a honest conversation of dialogue is the most important. Instead of trying to fix your child or give them the answers, or be like, you should believe this. Ask questions. goes back to you have permission to ask questions. Ask some questions. Let him think or her think why they, they are doubting or what they are doubting. And maybe you don't have an answer to their questions. It forces you to think, okay, what do I believe about this? Why do I believe about this? Especially in the Christian world, why do we believe these certain things? 
And all of a sudden, you will now have a greater faith because of it. And it opens up this, this conversation, this dialogue with your doubting teen. Remember, life is about a process. Don't try to fix them overnight. Because it's the faith is not an overnight thing. Faith is a process. And we so badly want to help our kids. And what happens is we become a crutch that they lean on. That anything different that sounds right, they'll jump to that too. Right. So I would say give them that space, ask questions, be involved, keep that open dialogue, um, because that's super important. Yeah, I love that. And especially just to ask questions. That was off the top of my head. I had no yeah. notes for that because you put me on the spot. I did. And that's I might okay. have a different answer in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Um, but, you know, doubt's one of those things that, you know, I think we're kind of, I don't necessarily know if we're told, but I think a lot of us are just, you know, um, slightly indoctrinated in the idea of uh, don't doubt, just have faith, just believe. And I think that's really been a detriment to the spiritual health of a lot of people yeah. and not able to sit in that doubt long enough. And, I, you know, we have friends that are even asking. As a matter of fact, we've had friends right now reaching out, hey, on the podcast, can you talk about this? Hey, on the podcast, can you answer this question? And Part of it is they just want some clarity on it, and that's good. But I think for some of these people that are asking us to talk about certain issues is there's just this little doubt that's unsettled, and it's really causing them a lot of problems because they don't know how to just sit in it and be okay with it for a season. Yeah, yeah. So We'll, we'll use a scriptural example for this. John the Baptist, who in Scripture is labeled as oh, yeah, it's good. one of the greatest men to ever live, right? Yep. His first experience with Jesus when he's about to baptize Jesus, he says, I can't even untie this guy's sandal, right? This is the son of man. He was super, prof- this declaration, this guy is it, strong faith. And then when he's about to die, right? In prison. When he's in prison, about to die, he sends one of the disciples to go ask Jesus, is he the Messiah? Right. I think we'll do a sermon series the in, this, in the future called like when the greatest man doubts. Yeah. Because it's such an encouragement to me that he doubted in that moment because... Faith is an ebbs and flows kinds of thing. Like there'll be seasons of strong faith. There'll be seasons of weak faith. Yeah. And it's okay. Right. Like you have permission to go through your season of doubt. Just don't let that completely remove things that you believe without actually seeking answers. Because some people doubt and they run away. And I think that's where it's dangerous. Yeah. But if your doubt causes you to ask questions that actually force you to educate yourself, I think that's the greatest thing in your life. Yeah, and I love that. Just thinking about the story, and I don't have it in front of me, and I didn't know you were going to use it, but just thinking about it, like even in that moment of doubt, Jesus didn't even give him a straight-up answer. Yeah. Like, are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Are you the you know prophesied one? And what does he tell the disciples? He just tells them, hey, just go back and report to him what you see. <laughs> Like this has happened and this has happened and this, and it, but here's the thing. He allowed John to get to his own conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't give him all the answers. And so when people ask us for answers, it's back to that one, right? Asking questions and not having to have the answers. When people ask us the answers, sometimes we might just give you resources, give you things to think about. And guess what? You're going to have to come to your own conclusions on some things and allow the spirit to really be your teacher, but also be your comforter. Like if, you know, the spirit's called the comforter. And if we didn't find ourselves in situations of discomfort, then he wouldn't be needed. And so thinking about that, even through, as we tackle doubt, like that's when some of us, and I know for me, um, 
this idea of like deconstructing, like unlearning some things that I've learned as a kid or just was indoctrinated with, like it's got me very uncomfortable. But it's in those moments that I need the Spirit, and the Spirit helps me come to my own conclusions as the Spirit speaks. So, Yeah, well, I got a quote. Jeff Turner said this once. He says, it seems to me people assume that when a person stops practicing and believing exactly as they used to, that they are being unfaithful and disloyal to their tradition or belief system. And I think it's important, like that goes back to even parents. It's okay to disagree with some of the things your kids believe. Let, let, let's keep Jesus the main thing, yep. and we can disagree about the things that aren't as important. Yeah, love that. All right, we're going to have to move on. Number, Number nine. nine. Oh, man, Th- this is one that Corey and I we- talked about and questioned whether or not we should put this in here because, honestly, we're probably, because this is such a just practical issue and relevant issue in the church. We'll probably need to spend maybe a whole podcast on it, but uh, we're just going to come out and say it. Number nine, you have permission to drink alcohol. Yep. Want to go number 10? Oh, we just going to skip over it? I mean, we just going to drop it and go. But we could spend a whole episode on people. But people, this is one of the questions that people ask probably more than anything else. I know. Really, that's why we wanted to include it on the list. If the Bible doesn't condemn something, allow moderation to rule. And again, we say you have permission to drink. There's someone out here listening that's like, oh, nudging their wife or not telling their accountability partner. If they don't have one, they're just telling themselves, oh, I have permission, green light. And you're an alcoholic. Right. You probably shouldn't. Right. Right. Like moderation is important, but also having good people around you that can call you out on your trash. Like, yeah, that's a real thing. But it, it's such a. Like this one a, more than anything. I'm, yeah, maybe just, let me just interject so this. This one more oh. than anything ties back into what Paul was saying. All things are permissible. Not all things are beneficial. Yeah. Can you drink alcohol? Sure. Yeah. You know, but man, think through when you're doing it, why you're doing it. Yeah. And it's not always going to be beneficial. Yep. Like I would say there's probably, you know, more of a detriment to drinking alcohol, especially in that excess, you know, than the benefits that come from it. Yeah. And so, okay. Benefits, beneficial, that ties in. All things are permissible, but not all things yeah, are beneficial. I'll just go come out and say, I, I really enjoy a, a glass of bourbon. Here's where I think it's so important for us to understand is the power of the Holy Spirit in you. There are times when my wife and I go out, and every time we go out, if I'm going to order a drink, I pray. And there has been two times in our seven years nearly of marriage where I clearly felt the Spirit say no. And if he didn't say no verbally, it was there. I didn't have a piece about it. That's how he said no. And both those times ended up being two people from different areas of our life came up to us. And I, I just was like, man, I'm, I'm so glad I wasn't drinking because I didn't know how they would perceive a right. pastor having a glass of drink right. in moderation. And I think that's so important. I, th- I think we lose that ability to be, okay, Spirit, is it okay in this moment? And there will be times when the Spirit is doesn't give you peace about it. There's other times where you have peace. We, we've made this issue black and white. And it's not really any of that. It's not even a gray issue. Like moderation rules and access the Holy Spirit in your life. And maybe we, we, we will teach a whole episode. I think we need this. to because there's so many things that I want to say right now, but we're kind of already going long on this episode. And I don't necessarily want to take the next 20 minutes to yeah. we'll, you know, we'll give dissect everything. And I soon. think we will. And, and if we're like 40 episodes deep and haven't hit it, somebody email us and say, yeah. hey, remember episode one? And that's one. okay. But at the same time, I also wanted to include it on this idea of you have permission because like even me as a pastor and just what Corey was saying, there might be some instances where someone sees that and then maybe they see then Jesus in a negative light. And that's not what I want yeah. at all. 
but at the same time, I don't want to feel guilty if I am in Kroger and I want to grab a bottle of wine to bring home for my wife and I to enjoy. Like, yeah. and you know, and, and I put it in here too, and we want to think through it because even like right now with this mask mandate, man, I'm telling you, I go into Kroger with a mask and a hat, nobody knows who the heck I am. I can do whatever the frick I want to do. And if I want to go in and grab a bottle of wine, I don't, I mean, I grab two because I don't think anything about it, you know? Um, but there's a problem with that. I you think. Have a problem. <laughs> no. Oh my God. I can't believe you said that. No, I don't have a problem. The problem I have is like, like how I feel perceived as a pastor and just wanting to like, well, it comes do down that, to convictions, and right? I believe in convictions. But I think where Christianity has gone wrong <laughs> is we make our own personal convictions the mandatory convictions of others, right? And it and it has to stop. Right. Live by your convictions. If you're if you're a no to alcohol because you have strong convictions, let it be no. But don't judge other people because it's a yes. If you're a yes to alcohol and don't have that unfair judgment of oh man they're just a legalistic person because they say no to it no right. no that's their own they conviction. might have an experience too. they might they might have i know my dad my dad has not had a drop of alcohol like in a long long time and it's because uh my grandpa ran a tavern yeah. it was the tavern right here in floyd's knobs the only place you can stop by to get a drink hey, like let's that save it for another episode okay we're gonna save it because he makes the best alcohol <laughs> <laughs> that is so ironic isn't it? He will not have a drink, but man, he makes some pretty good homemade wine. He does. Number 10, last but not least, don't take us out of context. If you've lasted with us this, this long, long, this is probably the most controversial, but please hear what we're saying. Yeah. Number 10. Because when you really hear us, it won't be controversial, but it really, it really does sound be. like it is. It's Number not 10, the thing we want to give you permission to do is we give you permission to sin. Uh-oh. Oh, you don't want, you better. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. What do we mean by this? Man, honestly, um, I, th- I think it goes back to knowing who you are, that your behavior doesn't dictate your identity. And and I know there's a quote here, and I'll, let, I'll save that for you because yeah. I really want you to unpack, uh, unpack what Don right Keithley said. Yeah, Don um, Keithley, that, he runs his own uh, university and has a teaching digital cathedral. Uh, he said this, I wrote it down, never forget it. He said, you will never know you are free from sin until you know you are free to sin. Right. And I think, man, that really speaks to the grace message Mm -hmm. and really understanding and receiving grace for your life and knowing how over the top, abundant, amazing it really is. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, and, and there's a reason why we put it in there, because if you think about it, even Paul, let's go back to Corinthians, you know, all things were permissible, not all things are beneficial. Just a few chapters, uh, just a few chapters like later than this. And when he said that, like the people, well, no, we're in Romans. Sorry, I completely messed that up. Romans chapter six, he's writing to that church and they even write like, you know, should wait, should we go on then sinning so that grace may abound? They were asking the question, you mean we can do, we're okay to do this now? Mm -hmm. And so, man, if grace and the grace that you're listening to and understanding and experiencing doesn't lead you to that, you're probably not hearing grace yeah. preached how it should be preached. Grace always brings responsibility. Yeah. Because if we're in the kingdom of God now, not just later, but now, then we have a responsibility to change the world. So, so many times Christians are like, God, why, are, why is there a hunger issue? And I believe God responds, yeah, Christians, why is there a hunger issue? Right. I've given you responsibility to change the earth. Right. And so what we're not saying is we're not encouraging you to sin. Don't misquote us. Right. What we're saying is you have permission to sin. 
but understand that there are real consequences for your choices. Right. Real consequences. Right. And well, because if I finish out that from Romans 6, the people ask, should we go on sinning that grace may abound? And Paul says, certainly not. Yeah. Like, no, no, there's a responsibility to piece of this. There's a consequence to this. And it's back again to, you know, your identity as a son, like that doesn't change in the kingdom. Like your behavior, if you go out and do something that would be claimed a sin, that's not going to change how God views you. It's not going to change uh, the relationship that you have vertically with him. But man, it really messes up your relationships on his or- yeah, horizontal. You lose respect. You could lose your job. You lose your marriage. You lose friends, kids, like all of friends. It. Yeah. You could lose all of it. So we will encourage you not to sin because consequences are real. But you will never truly know grace until you know that you have the choice and freedom to. So the reason why you avoid it isn't because you don't want to displease God, although I understand that thought process. The reason why you avoid sin is so that you engage in the real life relationships of the fullness of the gospel. Right. That's the real reason. So you don't have to suffer consequences. I would even argue till I'm blue in the face that we don't really even want sin. My whole life growing up, the gospel presentation was don't do this, don't do that. And it made it seem like that's all I want to do. All I want to do is sleep with girls. All I want to do is get drunk. All I want to do is smoke weed. But once you understand who you are, I don't want any of those things. I want to have the best and greatest sex with my wife and only my wife. Like, I don't want to have an affair, you know? Right. Because there's too much for me to lose by a stupid choice. And so I think the greatest gift of the grace message really is a person. It's not an idea. It's a person named Jesus is understanding that he gives us that free will and he wants us to take responsibility for our actions. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so it's just part of living out like your sonship, what Mm -hmm. we, what we talked about in the intro, like this idea that we understand who we are, but there comes a day when knowing who you are produces right responses. I love that in the kingdom. And so if I could just maybe leave you guys with, you know, anything, I love um, this idea of you have permission. I love what Andy Stanley said. And I read a book years ago um, by Andy Stanley. It was like called, I think the greatest question or the question that answers all questions. And he says it like this. He says, in light of my past experience, my current circumstances and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do, right? Not if something's wrong, not if something's right. You know, what's just the wise thing for me to do? And then let that. the Spirit guide you. What's the wise thing to do? That even goes back to drinking. What's the wise thing to do in this moment? Right. Man, that's great. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We're going to leave them with what we left them last week. What is it? Yeah, you're loved and there's nothing you can do about it. We'll see you next week. Thanks.